You're listening to the Australian Hunting and Beyond podcast with Matt. Where we talk about hunting, shooting, fishing, camping, and everything else that the great outdoors has to offer. Let's get into it. All right, I'm excited. I cannot wait for the upcoming rut. However, I've been getting out and about at the moment and got a couple of hunts coming up in the next week. And I know the fallow are in velvet. Now, it would be an absolute travesty in my mind if I was to harvest something and it did have some velvet antlers on it because I wouldn't be able to do anything with it up until now. But there is a product out there that can help you out. And so today I've got Simon joining us and he's going to talk to us about a couple of different products, but mainly we're talking about Velvalock so we can save those velvet antlers. G'day, Simon. How are you? Good, mate. How are you? Very, very good. Mate, let's get straight into it. You tell us about you, your company, and then let's have a chat about the actual product itself. Easy. So we're, well, I've, we've been always involved in hunting as young kids and stuff like that. We started off with family control with growing up with our parents and stuff like that on a little hobby farm. And we sort of grew into there from the, yeah, into the deer and pig hunting, obviously. And we sort of, yeah, got heavily involved in the sort of management of deer and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we love it. That sort of built the business where we started. About 2017, we started off in the um, spare bedroom of the house and built up from there. And last year, early last year, finished up as a Sparky and we opened the first shop. So, pretty excited and, yeah. Good to hear. It's always good to see small Aussie businesses kicking off and, and doing well. So, where are you guys located? So, we're located in Northern Victoria. So, just in Cobram, Combaruga. So, just on the river there, the Murray. Well, let's talk about the Velvalock product. I think that's probably where we need to go so yep. that people have an idea what the product is, what it does. Uh, yep. It is for saving velvet antlers. Can you tell us how you apply it and work it? It's seriously like all their products for the velvet range is super easy to use. Like the Velvalock, I've used, we, we test stuff before we sell it or before we get behind a product, which is our biggest thing. And we sort of, yeah, I shot some chittle, some soft samba. It just happened to be soft, but it was nearly close to being hard in antler. But um, we tested it out and it works really well and all of our heads have stayed 100%, so we're really getting behind it. But the application of it is literally, once you get your head home, just soak the antlers, spray it all over the antlers, let it dry, and you can go for a second round. You just soak it so it's dripping off. You let it dry so it's like in a nice area, it's going to get some airflow and dry it out, and that's it. It's literally as simple as that. Very safe chemical to use. Like you still, I still say wear gloves and glasses to be safe, one hundred percent. But it's nothing along the lines of some of the old school style of stuff, like formaldehyde and all that sort of stuff. So it's definitely a really good thing. That uh, it it does sound. I looked into it, and it does sound a lot better than some of the older products, which is great news. Yeah. How quickly do you need to get it? Because one of the things that I'm concerned about is if I was to get something probably then can't get you to send me one it would probably be too late wouldn't it so you sort of need it on hand yeah the best thing is to have it on hand and because it's in such a like it's in a neat little bottle it's not like you it's an easy thing to chuck in your car or your pack like you don't have to pack it in the bush when you're hunting it's not that essential but like obviously the sooner the better like you want to get it on there as soon as you can but it doesn't have to be in the field when you're out there and you've harvested your animal you don't have to do it there it's just if you get it back that afternoon or the morning after you hunt get straight on top of it and get it straight onto it. So recommended, what, roughly 24 hours after harvesting? Yeah, at the latest, yeah. You'd want to sort of, yeah, as you say, you'd want to have it 
and purchase it beforehand and have it at your yeah yeah at your disposal. All right, so that makes sense. I think that's look. It, it as I said, it's one for me that if I was to get something in velvet. And that's pretty – they look cool. I like velvet antlers. I think they look awesome as they are. So having that product on hand. Now, it's not the only product in the range. Firstly, what's it sell for? Uh, $59.99. And how long does it roughly last? Two years once the bottle's opened. Okay, cool. So you've got a fair bit of time to use it if you're a decent hunter. Probably I'd only ever use it once if I get lucky, but that's okay. We will uh, leave that one. <laughs> Mate, there's a couple of different other products that go with it from the same company. Yep. Now, you've got the Velva Scrub, the Hide Lock, and the Velva Clean. Now, off air, we spoke a bit about what's the most important. You were saying Hide Lock. Why is that? Well, the Hide Lock seems to be, we've, well, we've obviously tested it as well. And the Hide Lock is just, I think it's a bit of a game changer for the size of the bottle and what you've got. Like, it's so easy to chuck in your car. Like, you're not carrying 20 kilos of salt in the back of you when you're thinking you might shoot that big stag because you, you always go out hoping that you're going to get that big stag, but you just never know when that's going to come across. So it's one of those products that you can actually have in your car and forget about it. When you do need it, it's there at your wheel and you're disposable to use it. So we find it's really good. Okay, so take a step back for me there. Are we saying that if you take the hide, yep. you no longer need to salt it, you can just spray it down with this product and you're good to go? That's it. Easy as that. Yeah, how good is that? Because I – I had a hunting trip early – oh, sorry, last year now. Jeez, time flies. But uh, with James from Blackfoot Designs and he was successful harvesting two bucks and that was one of the things was keeping the hide and having to look for salt and things like that. So I know uh, it can be a bit of a pain in the backside depending where you are. If you're in a bit of a more rural area, not being able to get salt or enough salt to preserve the hide. So that really sounds good that you can just have that spray and just whack away. So how do you use that? Yeah, so it's literally exactly the same. Once you've caped out or skinned out your deer, depending on what you're doing with it, you literally just soak both sides. So not just like same as when you salt normally, but you'll spray a good amount on the hide, like on the skin side and on the fur side. You get right in the ears, the nose, the mouth, let it soak in and wrap it up and you're done. Yeah, right. Okay. That's really handy to know. Again, what's that one retail for? Uh, $59.99. That's pretty good. So much easier than carrying around salt or stuffing around with all that. Yeah. How did you get onto this product? So it's an American product. Yep. So we, well, it's my brother's been in the, he's been the driver of the business when I've been sparking, but he's been the driver of the business and he's a big researcher in the products and stuff, especially different countries have different ways of doing things and they, you know, the States are a fair way ahead in different ways. So he sort of got onto Velvet through different avenues and we've sort of gave the products a try and then gave them a run and then we've made the decision to sort of support them and distribute for Australia through that. That's exciting. From all accounts, I know I do the same. I do a lot of research and over in the States, it's highly regarded um, the product to use. So it does make sense. It's great to see that you have it here in Australia and that you're distributing it so that people can get their hands on this too. It does sound like both of these are a bit of a game changer when you're trying to save or you know, if you do harvest that good trophy and you don't want to ruin it, that's a good part to have. Yeah, it's definitely all about preserving what you've shot and making the most of it. And I mean, you don't, sometimes you don't go out intentionally to shoot a velvet stag and it just might happen to be that way. So if you shoot it, you want to keep it and preserve what you've shot. So we're all about that sort of thing. And especially the high locks, the same thing. It's just a great way of saving your capes and making sure they're going to be 
done correctly. All right. So we've spoken about Velvalock and we've spoken about Hydelock. There is a couple of different other ones, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast. Velva Scrub. Now, it's saying it's an enzymatic blood remover. What does that do and entail? So that's mainly just to do with just cleaning all your hunting gear from all your all your blood, tissue, and fluids and stains from your stuff. So it's just when you get it all stuck in there, you get that smell and it's hard to get out. It's just a really good scrub. It's just spray on, leave it for 20 minutes, and then wash it through and wash it out by hand and we'll get all your stains and stuff out as well. So that's really good okay. product as well. Yeah, okay. So that's – um. All right, so yeah, because I was sort of looking at that, going, oh, I wonder what that blood remover is that actually coming out of the the um, the antlers, but it's for your clothes. I haven't looked into that one. That that's cool. Yeah, so that's another option as well. And then we do have there's the bone bright and whitening degreaser kit that you can get, which is sort of for like all your euro mounts and stuff like that, which we've used. I used it when we first got it. I used it on some old heads, and they were like black and grimy and yuck, and. I could not believe how white they come up. It was incredible to see how much they could bounce back from that kit. So that's essentially when you're boiling it up and I know some people, you know, might use nappy sand or different stuff to make it white. That's a different yep. option. So how does that go on? Just You just, same deal, spray it on? Yeah, so you still boil out your head like normal. It's just to get that real white look on your skulls and the bone. Yep. You just spray on a degreaser, let it sit for 24 hours, reapply. 24 hours and you rub it all off and then you put the whitener on and you rub the whitener off once it's finished and then you leave it in the sun for a day or so and it'll make it pitch white sort of thing. Yeah, well, okay, wow. That makes sounds a lot easier than some of the other ways I've been told about. And I know um, I know a couple of people have said when you bury them, it's not a bad way to do it and I did that with a goat's head. When it came out, it was just a bit stained and a bit brown here and there. So... That was one, and I know someone told me that, oh, just paint it white, and I don't know if I'd want to want to sort of do that that way. So that's actually just more a natural way of just whitening it up by using that spray. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's definitely handy if the heads have been left in a shed or a box and they've got a bit, you know, yuck and oily and stuff like that. So it could be for old heads that you've had lying around that you want to clean up and put them somewhere and display them again. Oh, cool. So you can do it afterwards after a few years. Yeah, yeah. Some of the heads I did were... 10 years old and I just wanted to see how it would work and I was blown away with how well it come up. So it was really good as well. So Yeah, all right. Bloody hell. That sounds good. And then you've also got a Velva Clean product. Uh, yeah, yep, the Trophy Clean stuff. So that's really good. That's It's just about every six months you go through and you just spray it over your heads and give them a dust down and a rub down and stuff just to keep them all bug-free and clean and nice and keeps them shining. So oh, I find all the Velva products and range is really simple and easy to use which is probably one of the big benefits for them and it works well so what um what else do you guys sell over in the shop we sell heaps of different stuff we do a lot we manufacture a lot of stuff ourselves in-house so we do a lot of sewing and stuff which we do a lot of dog collars leads chest plates for the pig side of things knife sheaths uhf holders which we we try to be a little bit different because we're sort of i don't know passionate hunters and we try to make things a little bit better we've got like left and right handed uhf holders to shoot suit the sh- shooter stuff like that so yeah and we push forward with a lot of our products and we spend a lot of time developing stuff yeah that's exciting and i mean that's probably why the business is growing because you have that sort of personalized touch you guys do do a lot of hunting as we were talking about off air so what do you like to chase mainly i've oh, i've been pretty pretty heavily involved with the deer and the pigs i get torn between both but i sort of like chasing the pigs with the dogs and i do love 
stalk and Sam with pointers. So I'm sort of like very 50-50. So uh, the first thing that pops into my mind, pigs, you chase them with dogs? Yeah, yeah. How many dogs do you have? Uh, um, hunting dogs at home, I think we've got five and then we've got a couple of house dogs. So we've got a mixed menagerie at home. It's a bit different. <laughs> Bloody hell. How do you feed them all? I know I've got two dogs and like, oh man, they just cost me an arm and a leg just to feed uh, them. And it's crazy. How could it six? I couldn't imagine. <laughs> yeah. Nah, it's not too bad. It's, yeah. We do a lot of work with them and run them around and I do a lot of vermin control as well. So I get a bit of feed out food from them. So yeah, nice, nice. And I believe congratulations in order, mate. You've just had a, a baby, newborn. Thank you. Yeah, little Bobby. So it's pretty exciting. We've hopefully next weekend will be his first hunting trip. So he's six weeks old. He should be good to go. We're pretty excited to get him out. <laughs> get him out straight away. It's a good idea. Get him straight into the lifestyle. Fantastic. That's it. What are the plans going forward? Like you're obviously growing the business. It's going really well, which is fantastic. Is there any things on the horizon you guys really want to accomplish? Oh, we're sort of, we're always pushing hard. We do a lot with Garmin tracking devices as well. So we've got a lot of stuff coming forward with it. We're doing like a YouTube channel. So it's got all the tips and tricks how to fix all your errors or issues you have. Um, we've got buggy hire, we've just started up, and thermal hire. So we all do hire from the shop. So we're trying to make it, I don't know, not everyone can afford a buggy or a thermal, but we thought if we can hire it out at a reasonable price, it makes everyone enjoy their trips more and have a good time. So we've sort of got some cool ways and we just want to get everyone to enjoy the sport and get out more and make the most of it. That's a really good idea. It's one I've thought of for a long time is is being able to have that access to thermals and things like that because, as you said, they're not cheap and not everyone has that uh, ability to go and buy one. I've just got my first one and absolutely love it. But I'd love to have a thermal to be mounted on the rifle because I've only just got the the scanner or the monocular. Yeah. So they're um that's that's a really good, I guess, opportunity for people to be able to get access to that to test them out to actually go out and play with them, see if they like them. Um, do you have a particular brand that you guys are running at the moment? We're sort of we do a lot with Hick Micro, and we send we send a fine for their price point and their technology. It seems to be good sort of all round sort of thing. So. We're doing a bit with infrared and pulsar, but Hick Micro for the price and people aren't doing it as a full-time job. We sort of want to sit at a good price point. Yeah, and that makes sense. Oh, I've got the Hick Micro uh, Griffin, and yep. I really like it. It's it's a good little bit of gear, on you know makes life easy, very simple to use. I'm a big fan, so I know where you're headed there with Hick Micro. So you and your brother own the business and started the business. Yeah, so back yeah we back 2017 we started the business. And he had some oh, little issues, well, some ongoing issues with his leg, which made him not being able to stay in the trade that he was in. So, therefore, he sort of stopped doing the trade and started. we started pushing this business further and trying to get that rolling. It was a long time to get a bit, bit of money coming in, but we ended up getting there and sort of the online side grew and it's sort of gone really well. So, that's when we took the next step and I jumped full-time on board and got the support going and we sort of, yeah, pushed it from there now. So. Yeah, cool. So, mate, you what do you hunt the Samba with? Did you say it was a GSP? Uh, Whitehair, yeah. Okay, Whitehair, yeah. How long you been doing that for? Oh, probably 16, 17 years. All right. Now, I've got a couple of questions because Samba seems so damn elusive. I, um, I've only just got my first year, so I'm really, you know, learning a lot still yep. in regards to deer. Samba are on the list because everyone tells me just how hard they are and I like a challenge. So what's some tips or tricks you could throw out there for someone like myself who really wants to chase some Samba? 
for as much time in the bush as you can. <laughs> they're a pain to hunt. <laughs> now, nah, they, they're good. There's a lot more around than there used to be, I think. There's a lot more deer around. There's a lot better heads around. But they still are like, I think it's just, oh, I don't know, just time in the bush is just the best you can do for Sambo. Like, they're so smart and tricky. Like, they always do something to change your mind or different way of hunting them. Are you stalking them? Because that everyone talks about how they – are super alert and they just get everybody from everywhere. And this is the question I've always sort of wondered for a few people is, is it better just to find a good area, sit off it, and that's the best way to hunt them? Are you finding because you've got the dog that you're a bit more stalking? Yeah, I do. I sit between glassing and like a bit of walking with the dog. It just depends on the country we're hunting and stuff like that. But with the dogs, like we normally do do a bit more on foot just to keep the dogs working and the dog's have pulled a lot of deer for us and pointed a lot of deer we would never have seen or heard or stuff like that. So I found that to be really good. And oh, they still they still spook a few as well, but they're still yeah. Did you um, do any of the training programs or anything to train the dogs up? No, I haven't been to any training programs. We know a few people that have, and they said they're really good and they're fast track your learning. Like I think it's a good thing to do if you're starting out and you haven't done much of it. If you don't have any friends with that trained dogs, but we've sort of had people to bounce off of and put dogs with good dogs and teach them from a young age and put time in. Yeah. Colour mates have got dogs now and they've, um, they're, they're going pretty good with them. And I know they did a couple of the courses to, uh, I guess, speed up, as you just said. So it is something I have been sort of talking to the wife going, geez, it'd be good to have a hunting dog. And as you just said, I reckon there'd be so many deer that I'm missing out there that a dog would be pointing out just to make that life, make your life as a hunter a tad easier but then i see you've got a lot of time and effort putting it in with the dog too so it's that trade-off is what i understand yeah it's very hard and the more you put into them at the start the more you get out the end i think so it's the same as all dogs we're pretty passionate with all our dog hunting like we support the hound hunters very heavily and stuff as well all that all that side of things so it's all the same just the more effort you put in the bigger rewards that come out of it so you don't run them like a hound crew your dogs Nah, not for the stalking for the deer. We just walk and they just point. That's all we do with that. Okay. So we do oh, – my brother, uh, he's not hound hunting as much as he used to, but he still hound hunts off and on, so he still gets them around the hound crews as well. So Yeah. For our listeners, they use them to really push them and round them up, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They send trail and they, yeah, they'll chase them and then you'll end up sort of cutting them off and shooting them wherever or bail up. It's all got to be by the book and done correctly, but, yeah, it's pretty humane and – Good way of hunting as well. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose it's just um, makes a tricky deer that much, I guess, not easier but because it would have a different skill set to it Yeah, with the dogs and, and being able to track where they're going and cut off, as you said, and anticipating yep. reading your lay of your land and all that sort of thing. So I, when I say easier, it's probably the wrong word, but yeah. uh, a different challenge than doing it yourself without a dog and even if you have a pointing dog a different challenge again with a, a crew yeah with the crew yeah yeah it's all different ways of hunting the samba is still so tricky i think they're just i don't know they keep you guessing <laughs> that's why you love enjoy the hunt i think i think two things when i talk to people from vic one of the things they talk about and i'm so envious and jealous is the fact you can just walk onto public land at any time you want and you're good to go um, as long as it's legally huntable land. Whereas up here in New South Wales, we've got to book in and, you know, change things. And I know I literally before we started recording this, I was on the site changing my dates for a state forest hunt. I've got booked up for next week. And I was looking at it going, 
oh, my dates are, are gone. Like I literally can't amend the dates in the forest that I wanted. So I had to cancel and I'm now going to a different forest. So that sort of sucks a little bit because, you know, I was really had my heart set on going down to a certain forest, but that's cool. It's such a different system down there, but geez, it sounds so good. How far away are you from the closest public land? Oh, under an hour and a half from where I live now. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, there's no complaints. It's pretty enjoyable. You can get out for a quick morning hunt. It's not too hard, so keeps you yeah. gets you out more often. So, so I want to get onto a couple of stories now. You mentioned before you said a chittle that you used it on. I want to hear about a chittle hunt. They are such a great looking animal, and they're not that prevalent around the place. Well, they are in my suburb, but there's nowhere to hunt them, unfortunately. But yep. um, mate, tell me about this story. Yeah, so we flew up. I flew up with a mate last year, and we did the chittle hunt on private property. It's a friend through a friend. You know how it all works with hunting. <laughs> you get there through friends anyway. We went on the hunt, but when I left, Ben was like, "Oh, you need to take the valve lock and try it in the high lock." Oh, sorry, no, two years ago. Getting ahead of myself. <laughs> um, yeah, so I ended up trying. I shot a thirty-one and a half inch chittle. Really nice head, nice shape, everything. And I was stressed out as hell to use it because I thought if it's not going to work, this is the one time I've shot a good stag. It worked fine. It was fantastic. But, yeah, the whole hunt, when we hunt, we caped it out and spraying on there thinking, oh, but not slip, but not, you know. But, no, nah, it ended up really good. So I was pretty surprised. But, yeah. They're a bloody nice-looking animal. They're hard to judge the antler size to their body proportion, I found, from when we started hunting them. I thought the first few we saw, I was like, oh, my God, it's a monster. And my mate was laughing at me because they're only 22 inches, 24 inches, and I thought yeah. well over 30. But, no, nah, they're an incredible yeah, animal to hunt, different terrain and different stuff. But, yeah, it's definitely enjoyable. It's just I'm not used to walking in the heat that much. <laughs> I knocked me around a bit for a few days running around chasing these things. So Yeah, I've just got back from Queensland and it was a very hot and it had been raining, so the humidity was just like oh, well over 80% every day. And, geez, it takes it out of you when you're not used to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're just on the Victorian border, so the humidity just definitely rolled us a bit. So we for it. But yeah, bloody hell. Yeah, they're a good animal to hunt. It was a pretty enjoyable sort of thing to tick off the bucket list that's been on there for a few years. So slowly get through it and hopefully eventually get them all. But <laughs> yeah, so what have you? What's left, mate? What have you got? And what what are you still chasing? I need to get hog deer, a rusa, and a good red. Okay, sweet. Yeah. I've shot some red deer, but they haven't been. Oh, they've been nice red deer, but nothing that's I'd say is a really good red deer. But we'll keep persisting. Hopefully, get out and try and find a good one. Yeah, yeah. I've been saying this for ages. I really want to hear them roar. So that's the goal this year: is to get out and try and just be amongst it and hear them roar. Because obviously, I'm still learning as a deer hunter. I've only shot a rusa. I only chased fallow properly in the the rut last year that was the first time i really went after him so i got to hear croaks and, and got within seven meters of a buck which was super cool so i uh that's the next one even if i don't harvest them i'm still getting there so but list just hearing them roar in real life as opposed to on youtube videos and that i'm super excited for that mate so i can understand the allure of chasing reds like that's just it's so exciting like there's such a big bulky beautiful animal and that noise they make oh i just i can't wait i'm counting down for for this year because i'm just like oh all right i'm going out i'm gonna do my best to hear one that's that's the goal <laughs> yeah for sure Nah, they're exciting i reckon anything with the rut like the fallow rut 
or the red raw is pretty much there. Yeah, it's a t- it turns it on for the hunting anyway. It makes it pretty exciting and, yeah, makes it different. Okay, so one thing I have very, very little experience in is hunting with dogs, and you've touched on a bit of how that happens, but what are the products that you were talking about before you do a lot for dogs and hunting with dogs? What are some of those and – what are the differences or why do you have them? Yeah, so we're sort of, well, because we've been so heavily involved with all aspects of dog hunting for so long, we've sort of tried to just tweak and make things a little bit better or suit the hunters more. And hunters are fussy, as we all know. <laughs> they like what they like. But just little things like our dog leads, we use brass clips on our dog leads, like or rather so the leads and stuff like that. But we went from the cheaper stainless ones to the brass leads because they wear and they're durable and stronger. Mm-hmm. It's just little things like that we've found make it make our products a bit better and we sort of push that side of things and we sort of, yeah, little clips. We've put a clip on the dog lead so you can put it around yourself like a like a backpack sort of thing and stuff like that. Sort of been trying to just tweak the standard products a little bit, just make them a bit more better for the hunters. So when would you be using those sort of products when you're hunting with dogs? A lot of, like a hound hunters, they'll, hound hunters will run multiple leads because they've got a I clip on all the dogs and walk them out the bush or walk them in the bush. Or if you're walking with your JSPs, you might clip them up to walk them somewhere and then you'll let them off and then you'll hunt. And then when you finish, you might clip them back up to walk back up once you finish your hunt and stuff like that. So we've sort of marked around that sort of stuff for a long time. And even the collars, we make them so they're universal. Like our TBU collars can go from your dog collar, just your normal collar around their neck, in your GPS tracking device, you can swap them in and out and stuff like that. So we sort of manufacture them the right way and size so they fit different applications. Now, earlier you spoke about the Garmin's and running them. Are they probably the go-to for um, GPS on dogs? Yeah, definitely. So we have heaps to do with the Garmin tracking and training devices and they sort of they stand out in the market and there's sort of, oh, I hate to say, but there's no one that really competes with them with what they've got at the moment. And they sort of, they just work really well with the right. We do a lot with the aerials and long range aerials for support of if your dogs go out of sight and stuff like that. We've got long range aerials and all that sort of accessories that we've manufactured to suit the Australian frequency, which is not really done. A lot of stuff's made in the US and imported in, where we sort of make our products to suit the Australian frequency for stuff like that to make your ability to get back to your dogs as quick as you can or the best way. You're not losing your dogs when you're hunting and stuff like that. So what is the distances there? So like obviously I'm not holding you to the exacts, <laughs> but when those dogs take off, what rough distance do you get from your GPS there? With the hounds and stuff like that, they can get out to some seriously big distances, but it's sort of hard to say just depending on the country you hunt and stuff like that because sometimes you can lose a dog at 1.5Ks and other people with their line of sight to their dogs, they might get 15 kilometres just depending on their aerials running and stuff like that and how yeah. the, and just how the weather is and the lay of the land it sort of does change all that stuff a lot so yeah okay we just try to make like the best it can be so you've got the most opportunity to stay with your dogs the whole time so you're in control of your dogs and you know where they are and what's happening so we've sort of big push for that and if you're running multiple dogs does the handset you have show all the dogs on one handset or do you need multiple how's that work Nah, so with the Garmin, you can have up to 20, you can track up to 20 dogs per hand piece. Yeah, wow, 20. Yeah, so it's more the hounds that that applies to, but back to your stalking and pig hunters, they will only have a handful of dogs or one or two dogs, so it's not too big of a deal and it's pretty easy to sort of work with and manage that. How big is generally a hound crew? 
Uh, they vary from two to 20 blokes and, yeah, it depends on if their crews split hunts in different areas, they can have a lot of dogs. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking, how many dogs are going to be running around. Yeah, quite a few, yeah. A lot of crews are running, yeah, upwards of 10 dogs sort of thing. Yeah, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, having handy, I mean, 20 dogs, geez, that just sounds like such a – how would you see them all on the screen, Nelly? <laughs> it's just it'd be pretty chaos. A lot of flicking through and trying to read different things, but they all do stay together, so it makes it pretty good. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. We sort of, yeah, we've just – we we just try to tweak things a little bit just to make it more user friendly and more applied to the real to the hunter to make it the best it can be. Yeah, man, for our conditions, it sounds like as well. Yeah, yeah, and we do we do have a fair few friends up north from us where they sort of New South Wales, Queensland, Darwin that try and test all our different stuff and give us honest feedback, which is always sometimes hard to hear, but it's good to hear, and we change and <laughs> adapt with what people want. So, and the same with all the stuff. Like we're always interested to hear people's feedback and. We always take it on the right side and we understand. So we're all about it and we're a young company trying to push forward and we want to make sure everyone gets the most out of our stuff. We don't want any any bad bad blood at all. Yeah, no, fantastic. I mean it's good to it's good to hear that and hopefully people listening to the podcast and it might be something they are interested in and they can get out and support you as well. So Yeah, no, for sure. Alrighty. Well, mate, I have learnt an absolute heap. Um there's just Firstly, I didn't even know some of these products existed, so I'm really glad that we've had the chance to have a talk and find out about some of these. I'm definitely going to look into that bone bright because I've got a couple of skulls here that I'm now thinking, oh, I might whiten them up. They sound good. Plus, I think the Velvolot would be really handy to have on on board just in case something does happen and you were to get lucky. It'd be such a shame if you didn't have it. As I said, shelf life's two years from opening, so you've got plenty of time. And for 60 bucks, it's not the end of the world, is it? So. You guys obviously ship all over Australia? Yep, Australia-wide, yep. Yeah, Ripper. Mate, I really appreciate your time coming on the podcast and talking to us about some fantastic products and your business as well and a bit of your background. So I do appreciate your time and effort because I know it's it's during the workday. So thank you, mate. And uh, do you want to give everyone just your website again and how they can find you guys to support you? Yeah, no, awesome. Thank you. It's um, www.optichuntinggear.com.au. And you can find us on all social media platforms as well. We've even gone down the road of TikTok. I know it's a bit lame, but... <laughs> you guys do the dances as well on there or...? Oh, I haven't gone down that far yet, but I think just doing <laughs> TikTok in general makes it a bit... Yeah. I'm a bit old school. I don't like all the stuff, but we're on all the platforms now, so yeah. We're oh, all, good to hear. all around it, so... Well, I'll put a link to those, to most of those anyway in the show notes. So if you want to j- jump on and have a look, listeners, you can, so... All right, Simon, appreciate your time, mate. Thanks again. And uh, listeners, bye for now. If you have a topic, guest, question, or any gear that you want to hear about on the podcast, shoot us an email, australianhuntingandbeyond at gmail.com. Alternatively, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All the links are in the show notes. If you haven't already, make sure you give us a review and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time.